0: This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie, at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 111 of the Catholic Foodie, Pretzels and Beer for Lent. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we are talking about pretzels and beer. And, man, you talk about good stuff. Oh, yeah. We uh, we make pretzels during Lent. You know, there's a Catholic tradition tied in there somewhere, and we're going to talk about that today, a little bit of the history of the pretzel, Also got a recipe for you. Um, Good stuff, I promise you. Good stuff. Also, beer. I I don't know what I think about what I'm going to share today as far as the beer goes, but I'm telling you, there's a guy who is fasting on nothing but beer, all of Lent, kind of going back to that old monastic tradition, and we're going to talk about that right here on The Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I don't know what I think about it. I really don't. I don't. Uh, I love beer. You might know that about me. I do love good beer. got to be a good beer now, good beer. Uh, But there is a gentleman who is going to be fasting, or who is fasting, because we're already into Lent, fasting on beer, all of Lent. So uh, we're going to talk about that today. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, DivineOffice.org, where you will find all things Liturgy of the Hours. And I'm not talking about just some static website there or you know, like a little encyclopedia or something. I'm talking, you get to participate. You get to be part of a community of prayer at divineoffice.org. You've got the Liturgy of the Hours, the official prayer of the church available there, audio format, also right there online for you to uh, to pray along, to pray along with others. It is a community, a living community of faith, a living community of prayer, divineoffice.org. Thank you very much for sponsoring the Catholic Foodie. And please, if you have not done so yet, Do join us in prayer over at divineoffice.org. True love. True love, you heard him? Could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sonny, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton lettuce and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomato is ripe. It's so perky. I love that. Well, I want to share some feedback with you, first of all. We do have a couple of pieces of feedback came in uh, this past week, both in response to last episode on St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church. The first one is from Tressie. Now, Tressie has contacted me before. We have uh, uh, communicated before her husband, and I'm so jealous, her husband is in culinary school. So uh, very exciting, very, very exciting. He graduates, I believe, in May or next May. It may. I think it's this coming May. He graduates from uh, culinary school so i'm I'm jealous first of all, Tracy, thank you so much for writing in. Uh, she commented and said that the Saint Joseph altar may be the perfect way to give thanks for her husband's impending graduation from culinary school next may uh so she'll have to learn more about that and pray on it. But you know what is true and and thankfully, in the church, we have uh, two feast days for Saint Joseph. Uh, we have Saint Joseph first of all, just husband of Mary, you know. And that is in March, March 19th. And then we have one in May, and that is uh, the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. So uh, absolutely, graduation in May. There's nothing that says you can't have a St. Joseph altar then. That would be fantastic. If you do, please send some pics. I'd love to see uh, see how y'all work that up over there. I got, got another uh, piece of feedback here from Robert uh, Leong And Robert wrote again in reference to last episode and St. Joseph, uh, the St. Joseph altars. He says, uh, I was listening to the podcast at four in the morning. (laughs) Wow. Okay. First of all, Robert, thanks. That's that's dedication there. If you're listening at four o'clock in the morning, whoa, awesome. Uh, He was listening at four o'clock in the morning and uh, wondering how I missed celebrating St. Joseph's feast day in the way described in the podcast. I went to uh, Evan's website uh, to register a reminder for next year's St. Joseph's Feast Day, and uh, it's good that she takes or makes such effort to remind us a month ahead of time so that we can prepare and catechize the people ahead of the feast day. I'm already looking forward to celebrate the uh, St. Joseph's Feast Day in 2012. Thank you for talking about this and sharing with us this wonderful tradition of our Catholic faith. So, Robert, thank you. First of all, for taking the time to write in, and absolutely, you're welcome. I mean, we love talking about Saint Joseph. We love uh, the the great traditions in our church, and of course, here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith, it's awesome to have a celebration that is so Catholic and that is that that really does incorporate this whole um, uh, celebration, this feast, right? This this feasting uh, on this feast day in the church. I think it's fantastic. So. You're very welcome, and thank you again to Tressie and Robert for writing in. If you have feedback, you have a question, a comment, anything that you would like to leave for the Catholic Foodie, you could do it one of two ways. Actually, you can do it a few different ways. Uh, first of all, we love voice feedback. I love to play your voice feedback here on the show. So you're welcome to give me a call at 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974, voice Feedback is my favorite kind of feedback, because it gets, you get, I, I I get the chance to play your voice on the show. You get to join me here on the show. So uh, if you have a question or comment or whatever, please do leave me feedback. I'd be happy to play that on the show. And uh, of course, you can always just email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. Visit the website, catholicfoodie.com. You can always comment there on one of the posts. The show notes are all posted there at catholicfoodie.com. And then, of course... We're on Facebook, too. You can go to facebook.com slash foodie and join in the community, the conversation over there. Uh, lots of folks like to comment and uh, post pictures and comments and things of, of that sort. So we'd love to, to have you visit us over there at uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash foodie. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the
1: oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I'd like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of a can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then
0: not heated. Uh Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. Well, you know, a couple of years ago, I believe it was a few years back, uh, Char... For uh, Lent, she was trying to come up with some crafts, some things for the kids to do, some activities that are, you know, educational, catechetical, and also just good and fun. And uh, she came across or came up with the idea of of pretzels. She was uh, searching for things online, wanted to know more about pretzels and the tradition of pretzels, where they came from, and, uh, you know, there's some some Christian symbolism there. What's the story behind them? She wanted to share that with the kids and then also Find a good pretzel recipe, of course, because we love to cook, and so she wanted to make her own here at the house with the kids. And she came across a recipe on Danielle Bean's website over at daniellebean.com, and uh, it was a a great recipe. And uh, she also learned a little bit more about it. And a matter of fact, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to Danielle's website, uh, to that particular page with the pretzels. But uh, Char learned more about it and uh, did all this activity with the kids. It was just a lot of fun. But look, I'm telling you, the, the the recipe was so good, and the pretzels were just so delicious that it kind of stuck with us, right? We made them several times during Lent uh, for the last few Lents. And so here we are now uh, in, in Lent again, and we have been making our pretzels. Uh, matter of fact, Char's become kind of famous for them. And so now, you know, at different um, gatherings, different functions, she's been asked to prepare Uh, pretzels so she made them for uh, Christopher's retreat he had a retreat uh, I think last weekend she made them for that she's made them for uh, uh, some of the activities that the girls my girls are involved in like little flowers the little flowers uh, group she's made them for that and also their gymnastics classes believe it or not so these are some really really good things and of course I can pull up real quick uh, something about the pretzels I just saw an article of A little bit ago, let me see if I can find that real fast. Uh, This article is over at catholiceducation.org, and it was written by Father William Saunders. And uh, his question basically is, do pretzels really have anything to do with Lent? And of course, he kind of goes through some of the history, which a lot of it, if you think about it, I mean, a lot of this stuff is just kind of conjecture, right, based upon some facts that we know from the past, but we don't know the whole story. But he says that the pretzel indeed has its origins as an official food of Lent. However, much of the information available is based on tradition that has been handed down through the ages. Nevertheless, the Vatican Library actually has a manuscript illustrating one of the earliest pictures and descriptions of the pretzel. And this is manuscript code number 3867. He says that in the early church, the Lenten abstinence and fasting laws were more strict than what the faithful practice today uh, many areas of the church abstained from all forms of meat and animal products, while others made exceptions for food like fish. You know, for example, Pope St. Gregory, back in 604, uh, writing to St. Augustine of Canterbury, issued the following rule. We abstain from flesh, meat, and from all things that come from flesh, as milk, cheese, and eggs. And then second, the general rule was for a person to have one meal a day, in the evening or at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and smaller snacks to maintain strength. So a need arose for a very simple food which would fulfill the abstinence and fasting laws. And according to uh, pretzel maker Snyder's of Hanover, that's a company that makes pretzels today, a young monk in the early 600s in Italy was preparing a special linen bread of flour, water, and salt And to remind his brother monks that Lent was a time of prayer, he rolled the bread dough in strips and then shaped each strip in the form of crossed arms, mimicking the then popular prayer position of folding one's arms over each other on the chest. The bread was then baked as a soft bread, just like the big soft pretzels one can find today. Uh, But Father William notes, he said, you know, to be fair, some traditions date the story back even to the 300s. So because these breads were shaped into the form of crossed arms, they were called brachilei, which was a Latin term for little arms. And uh, from this word, the Germans derived the word bretzel, which has since mutated to the familiar word pretzel. Another possibility for the origins of the word pretzel is that the young monk gave these breads to children as a reward when they would or they could recite their prayers. And so the Latin word pretiola, Meaning little reward uh, became or mutated into pretzel, which you know, Father William notes, could be reasonably derived. Now, once again, all this is based pretty much on legend, or you know, pretty much legend. <laughs> anyway, this uh, the simple Linton food became very popular. Pretzels were enjoyed by all people. Yet you know, they became a symbol of good luck, long life, prosperity, and interestingly. They were also a common food given to the poor and the hungry. So not only were the pretzels easy to give someone in need, but also they were both substantial, right, as food to satisfy hunger and also a spiritual reminder of God knowing a person's need and answering our prayers. So he uh, he actually has a couple of other little stories he he shares with us here and how uh, maybe perhaps hard-baked pretzels came along quite by accident and uh, folks kind of figured out, well, hey, you know, not only do they still taste good if they're hard, but they also last longer. They don't uh, get stale and and hard to eat as the soft pretzels do. So it's just kind of fun. This pretzel thing is kind of fun, even if we don't know exactly the history of it. You know, we, we can still draw conclusions based, you know, based on faith from the pretzel today. Now, the recipe that I'm going to share with you is the one that comes from Danielle Bean's website, and it was originally taken, I believe she got this recipe, from Evelyn Burge uh, Vitz's uh, cookbook, which is called um, A Continual Feast, and I've got a link uh, in the show notes over at CatholicFruity.com for this episode to that book. It's available on amazon.com, and there's an affiliate link I have there in the show notes. Uh so very good. It's a continual feast, a continual feast, which is a Catholic cookbook uh written by Evelyn Burge Witz. All right. This is the recipe. One tablespoon of honey or sugar. Now, I have to say this ahead of time. We double this recipe when we make the pretzels because we tend to make lots and uh we share them with other people. So the recipe can very easily be um doubled. Also, we make a few adjustments to this, so I'm going to give you the recipe as is, and then I'll tell you how we adjust it. So a tablespoon of honey or sugar, one and a half cups of lukewarm water, one envelope of active dry yeast, one teaspoon of salt, four cups of flour, uh, and then coarse salt, and one egg beaten. So you add the honey to the water, you sprinkle in the yeast, and stir until it's dissolved. Uh, add a tablespoon of salt, blend in the flour, and then knead the dough until smooth, Cut the dough into pieces, roll them into ropes, and twist into pretzel shapes. Now, a lot of this comes with experience, right? Because there's not an exact measurement given here, but it does come with experience. Then you place the pretzels on lightly greased cookie sheets and brush them with a beaten egg and sprinkle with salt. Bake at 425 for 12 to 15 minutes or until golden brown. All right, here's what we do. All right, not only do we double it, but we kind of change things up a little bit. We use two different kinds of flour. I like the uh, the Better for Bread flour, which you can get. It's what I believe is gold medal. Better for Bread, you can get that at the grocery store. And then there's another flour that we use, which is a white whole wheat flour. I believe it's King's Mill, if that's maybe the, the name. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's King's something, and I can't remember right now. But uh, So we use those two flours, half, half uh, measurements, right, of each. We just use half one, half the other to make up the full measurement of flour that we need. Uh, also, uh, you know, we we do a lot of baking during Lent, so we buy the yeast in a jar rather than buying just the individual packets. It's more cost effective that way. Same company makes it. I can't remember the name of the company right now either. Fleischman's, Fleischmanns, something like that. And uh, it'll show you on the jar the equivalent measurement between one packet of yeast and what you would need as far as, like, by the ounce, for instance, or a t- t- tablespoon or teaspoon or whatever it may be. It's all written right there on the jar. So that's a good help for you. And what we like to do is after we knead the dough, we actually let it rise. We let it rise for a while, and uh, then it becomes a little bit more easy to uh, manipulate, and we roll them out. And uh, you start out with, uh, we just kind of grab, like, a maybe a, uh, enough dough to fit in the palm of one's hand and kind of stretch that out, roll that, and then shape it into the pretzel shape. And uh, instead of doing an egg wash, or an egg, egg, I should say an egg, uh, uh, brushing it with egg, we uh, have the egg in a bowl in a little dish and we dip the pretzel into the egg. just makes it easier, especially when you're doing a lot of them at one time. And I also don't have a brush for my kitchen. I should probably buy one, but I just never get around to to doing that. Never think about it when I'm out. So I just dip them, and then boom, and that's it. 15 to, to, to 12 to 15 minutes in the oven. And what I have learned, because I do this on a pizza stone, on a, uh, a big stone, what I have learned is typically that first batch is going to take a longer amount of time as the oven is heating up still. Even though I preheat the oven, it still takes time. The stone has to heat up and all that, but by the... Second round, third round, whatever, um, you know, the 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 stone is already kind of hot, and the oven, of course, is already hot, so it doesn't take as long. But, you know, 12 minutes is at least 12 minutes, 12 to 15 minutes per, per pop. And we do them in batches of about 10. Sometimes it's 8 to 10 we fit onto the tray, and then, boom, just put them in. So good stuff and excellent recipe. Um, and you may want to ch- uh, try it uh, the original way. I'm going to post this over at CatholicFoodie.com, by the way, and put a link in the show notes. But, you know, you may want to try our little changes that we make, too. Uh, If you do try the recipe, if you do try making pretzels, please do let us know. Give me a call, 985-635-4974. Email me at Jeff at CatholicFoodie.com, or just go over to catholicfoodie.com and put a, a comment there in this post for this episode 111. Now, before we move on to the next topic today, which is going to be beer, I do want to say there are some excellent, excellent resources for families, for kids, online, some fantastic resources, and I want to give you a list of places you may want to go check out. I'm going to tell you here, but also I will put the link on or in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com. First of all, I already mentioned daniellebean.com, excellent resource, catholicmom.com, Making Music Praying which is our good friend Kate Daniluk. Kate has an excellent recipe over there for hot cross buns. You may want to check that out. That's another thing that we will be making this Lent slash Easter. Um Faith and Family Live.com, CatholicCuisine.blogspot.com. They have a recipe over there too for pretzels, a little bit different than the one that I gave you today. Uh, catholicculture.org has something over there for the uh, for on pretzels. Very good. A couple of articles, actually, that I saw over there. I will put the link in the show notes. Also, catholicicing.blogspot.com. Very creative over at Catholic Icing. Uh, You need to go check them out. They've got some really good stuff. Very creative, very uh, kid-friendly things over there. Uh, Lots of good activities and lots of good stuff for Lent. So catholicicing.blogspot.com as well. And I'm sure there are about a million other excellent resources online but This is what I'm going to share with you today. And uh, again, check out the show notes, catholicfoodie.com.
2: I don't really drink, you know. Of course you don't. I wouldn't either if I was drinking that. But you would have to be an idiot of elephantine proportions not to appreciate this 61 Chateau Latour. And you, Monsieur Linguini, are no idiot. (laughs) Let us toast your non-idiocy.
0: Well, if you've been listening to the Catholic Foodie for a while, you probably know by now that I really like beer. I mean, good beer. Kind of like a beer connoisseur of sorts. And, uh, I mean, I like the the, the microbreweries, I like the imports, all that kind of stuff, but I don't have a whole lot of nice things to say about domest- like your traditional domestic beers. Not a fan of those, and not at all. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I, I really love about beer is, is there's just such a tradition to beer. Uh, you have a lot of, uh, in, in Europe, you have lots of monasteries, that used to, I mean, they they were known and, and have hundreds of years of tradition of beer brewing. Uh, really neat stuff. I'm fascinated by all of that. Matter of fact, for a while, I was brewing my own beer. I haven't done that in a few years. I've been thinking about it, though. I've got friends who brew their own beer, and it's it's just a lot of fun and a lot of, it's just a creative endeavor, you know? It's a good little hobby to have and it tastes good, (laughs) and it tastes good, but I tell you what, I was talking to a good friend of mine the other day, Mike, so Mike, if you're listening, thank you so much for this tip, Uh, Mike also is a home brewer, he's called in with feedback in the past, Uh, excellent, excellent stuff, he actually sent me some beer about a year ago when I had uh, the first anniversary of the Catholic Foodie, and uh, good, good stuff, something he brewed himself, and he called it the Catholic Foodie Anniversary Ale, really good stuff, I was so impressed when I got that, it was Oh, man, it's awesome. So uh, when he he sent me a link the other day, and I was so kind of blown away and impressed by this. I wanted to share it with you. It's all about beer. There is a guy, all right, did you hear about this? There's a guy who is fasting on beer for Lent. No, 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 this is not a joke now, not a joke. It is actually the diary of a part-time monk, and that is... That is the uh, the website where you can go and learn more about this. He's got a blog. He's trying to uh, tell the story of his journey this Lent in the form of a blog. And it's over there at diaryofaparttimemonk.wordpress.com. And, uh, you know, it's funny. When I saw this, I, I, I asked Mike. I was like, you know, send me the link because I might know this guy. <laughs> I had only, only one other other time if I ever heard of anybody doing this, and that was a probably 10 years ago, had a friend of mine who used to be a teacher uh, down in, in New Orleans who did this for Lent. He drank nothing but beer. you know. He fasted on beer all of Lent. Now, where does this come from? Where does this come from? Well, I could share with you some of the words that, you know, my own thoughts on this, but what I'd like to do is go to Diary of a Part-Time Monk, dot wordpress dot com and this is Jay Wilson is the, the, the gentleman's name and uh, I'm going to let him tell you the story he's got like a little intro video thing on here and I've just taken a clip from this it's a few minutes long but I think it would be I found it very interesting and my hope is that him telling his own story would be very interesting for you so uh, I'm going to let this clip run right here for a couple of minutes and uh, then I'll come back and share with you some of my thoughts but this is Diary of a part-time monk
3: Hi, my name is Jay Wilson from Bruvana, an ideal condition of harmony beer and joy and I'm here to welcome you to a little side project that we've got going on here in the next few weeks. Um, it's a little something we are calling diary of a part-time monk uh, For the longest time I've been interested in both beer and uh, history and so of course, the story of Doppelbach uh, really intrigues me. Um, and, and kind of what that's about is the, uh, the, the monks uh, from Pollen back in Germany uh, in the 1600s. They sort of rolled their way from, from Italy into Germany and set up shop outside of Munich. And uh, they, of course, started brewing beer right away. Water was lousy to drink. They didn't realize why, but the uh, boiling process of beer made it safe and healthy. And so, uh, of course, they drank beer. Um, a little bit of a contrast from some elements of today's christian church at least in the united states and that's a whole longer story that i'll not get into uh, but i've always been intrigued by the monkey references of the belgian beers and some of the german beers like doppelbach uh, the polliner monks are credited with uh, inventing the style or developing is probably a better word uh, developing the doppelbach style of beer that we know today and so uh, one of the big pieces of that story is that during lent uh, the 46 days from Ash Wednesday until Easter, uh, the monks sustained themselves on a liquid fast, which included Doppelbach. And so a couple of years back, I thought, you know, it would be a really interesting idea uh, to do as the monks do and uh, see what it's like to, to fast for 46 days, drinking nothing but Doppelbach. And uh, since that time, I've kind of relented and thought, well, I'll allow myself water as well, uh, because alcohol will sort of dry a guy out. Uh, and I don't want to get dehydrated. Um, and so anyway, the project, Diary of a Part-Time Monk, is uh, is going to be a 46-day fast on nothing but liquid bread and water. Uh, that is a Doppelbock.
1: As far as the commercial brewing and brewing this special batch of beer up at Rock Bottom, I think it's awesome that the beer community and the community in general has been really supportive of Jay with this project. And a lot of people are on board But that part doesn't necessarily intrigue me as much as the spiritual dimension. I mean, I feel like there's so many different things that are going on here with the project. Like, yes, it's kind of a personal challenge. Yes, it involves beer. Yes, it's... I don't even know. I mean, I just think there's lots of different levels to it. It's like kind of a stunt, like, ooh, I'm going to drink only beer for 46 days. That doesn't sound very nice either. Sorry. But <laughs> in a way, it's kind of a stunt, but on one level, you know, if you didn't know Jay and the research that he's gone through, you might think that, but on another level, you know, I feel like there's this spiritual dimension, and for me, that's what's most intriguing.
3: And so John didn't hesitate. He, he understood um, that I wasn't looking to get sloshed uh, drinking beer on the job all day, uh, he thought it sounded like an interesting project, and knew that I wouldn't take advantage and just, you know, get hammered. Getting hammered is the furthest thing uh, from my mind uh, with this project. My, my my objective is to one, stay healthy because I care about my family, and two, be able to do my job. I I have a job to do. I don't. I can't afford to take off uh, work for 46 days. Um, I, I have to work. I have to do this job. This is my job, and so I can't let that you know, flounder. I can't let that, the the, the quality drop. And so, you know, I sit on my butt uh, at a a computer for the better part of my day. A couple of years ago was when I actually conceived this idea. And at the time I was working 13 hour days in a hot and sweaty, uh, bustling kitchen. And when I mentioned my idea to fast for Lent on Doppelbach uh, to my wife, she quickly said, you know, you hardly live the life of a monk. You, 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 you know, work in this kitchen 13 hour days, you're on your feet all day. Um, there there's no way that's, you know, monks are, are, would be a little bit quieter and more contemplative and, and still, uh, throughout their day, throughout their fast. And, and I, you know, quickly had to concede that, you know, she was right. Um, and so I put that project on hold, but now that I work for the paper, um, now that I have the, I guess, supportive, uh, staff or, uh, uh, co-workers that I do and, and bosses that I do, it, it was completely a doable thing.
2: If you put your mind to it, you know, and you're, you, know you should be able to go through this entire uh, Lenten and fast um, doing this. And, you know, I'm willing to uh, supply you with a beer, so it's not like, you know, money's an object there, you know. Sure. If you put your heart and sweat into uh, making the beer, um, being here today, you know, getting all this together, all the uh, planning and preparation. You've got a lot personally invested, in it, and I think that's uh, that's a large part of what drives people when they when they do things like this. Is you know, can am I personally involved? Um, it goes a large part to you know why I make beer. I make beer because I like to see people be happy. I've got an investment in knowing that I've got making a product that at the end of the day you can hold in your hands. And you can actually enjoy, and that other people can enjoy, um, and that's part of the, you know, the, the art and the craft of, of what I'm doing. Um, at the same time, you know, you've got, you know, something that you know you've put yourself into, and you know, you're gonna want to see it through. I think so. That's gonna help you.
0: <laughs> well, that guy at the end, the the last part, it was i a, 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 I'm sure you could tell there was another person who came on and was talking it was not the uh the guy right there in the in the in the the first part uh it's not jay this guy was oh my gosh i i I got off the page and so now i need to find out his name again Sorensen, i believe is his last name it's um where did it go where did it go oh yeah yeah it's uh eric Sorensen of rock bottom restaurant and brewery in des moines and uh, you know, they the two of them brewed this beer together. It's a special beer. They brewed it together, and it's it's called the Illuminator Doppelbach. And the funny thing about that is that it's um it, it, let's see, where did I put it? Uh it is also someone actually put that on beeradvocate.com and they kind of rated it. And they said it's really good. You know, they really enjoyed it. But it was apparently a, uh, a limited uh, run. It's not available. You can't just go wherever to a store and buy that. Of course. There are doppel box available. You can go to a, 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 a an establishment that sells uh, beer if they have microbrewery or if they have imports, and they are likely to have some doppel box on hand. Of course, you've got tons of those out there in the world. So uh, anyway, it's just really interesting because Eric Sorensen kind of supports him in this way, and he, he gave him the beer for free, which is just very, I think, very interesting. Now, what are, what are my thoughts on this? Well, you know, it's true. And a long time ago, I'd say maybe a year and a half ago, I had a great conversation about this with Nick Padley uh, from InBetweenSundays.com and the in Between Sundays podcast. And we, because we, he had spent some time in the monastery. And of course, you know, I was in the seminary, and where I, the, the seminary I was in was um, on the grounds of a Benedictine monastery. And, again, you know, Nick was in a in a monastery, too, and it was a Benedictine monastery. Not the same one, but a different one. And he had experience with monks and monasteries and monastic history. And also, he, has a, he shares with me a great love for beers. So we had a great conversation about this. I can't remember the episode number, but I will put that in the show notes, again, over at CatholicFoodie.com. And, uh... It, it, We talked about this. One of the things he brought out was back in the day, okay, back in the day when you had the monks doing their thing, you know, in the 600s or whatever, they would fast on beer because beer was actually more healthy to drink than the water. Now, and I believe that uh, Jay in this little audio clip I played brought that out. They didn't understand why sometimes they would get sick when they drank the water, but they wouldn't when they drank beer. And of course, it had to do with the boiling and all that, but they didn't really maybe understand that completely. But the fact is, is that they, they it was more healthy for them at the time to drink the beer, or the ale, or whatever, than it than it was to drink the water. And of course, it was because of the process. It was the the boiling and everything else that that goes into making the beer. Um, so it was more healthy. And then of course they they had the fasting and the abstinence that they had to observe and uh the beer was really it was fortified with lots of uh good nutrients and things that the body needs and so it it was a it was a big help. Now it's true Jay brought this point out too that when you drink uh alcohol what it does is it dehydrates you. And of course that's what a hangover really is. A hangover is being dehydrated from alcohol. And one of the uh I guess you could you really could say the the number one cure for a hangover is just to drink a lot of water is to rehydrate yourself because when you rehydrate, uh, you're gonna feel better, the headache goes away, all that kind of stuff. So uh, matter of fact, you know there there are lots of folks who um, who say that you can avoid a hangover if you drink or on any anytime that you do drink alcohol, wine, beer, whatever. Before you uh, end the night, because typically that's when people do have um, a, a beverage, right? Some kind of an a, alcoholic beverage will be in the evening, although daytime does happen too, especially at a crawfish boil now. But if you do have a, a beverage, then before you retire for the evening, make sure you drink some water to rehydrate so that you don't get a hangover. And when I talk about hang, I'm not talking about getting plastered, I'm talking about Even if you have a beer or two or a glass of wine or two and you're really not hydrated to begin with, then you can wake up with a headache. You know, you can start to feel bad even that night unless you rehydrate. So it's just very important in general for health in general to be properly hydrated. And anytime you drink alcohol, it can uh, dehydrate you. So very important point. So he is today, let's see, today I'm recording this on the 30th of March. So yesterday was, I believe, day 21 for him. I can't believe it's already been 21 days in Lent. Yesterday was day 21 for him. And uh, I'm just, I'm blown away that, 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 that he's doing this. I would love to do it when I think about it. I would love to just drink beer all Lent. <laughs> That'd be fun, you know. But if you notice what he's saying is he's not talking about drinking in order to get intoxicated. He's talking about drinking the beer which is heavily fortified with all the good things a body needs um in a responsible way and of course drinking water he's drinking water too cuz our water is not going to make him sick so he can do that so so what do I think about this overall well i mean in a way i think it's really 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 cool okay now I, if i i don't know for a fact but it doesn't seem to me that he's catholic he's got a Presbyterian minister who is kind of being a, as a spiritual advisor, spiritual director for the for Lent during this, this this project that he has going on. So I don't know exactly um how he plans on growing in his relationship with God through this. I, I don't I don't know all the details. As I mentioned to you, I saw this. Mike, my friend Mike, sent this to me, and I was intrigued by it, and I still am very, very much intrigued by it and i want to know more i want to go back and read his diary over at uh, com. i do want to do that and i'm like you know kudos to him for doing this this is pretty intense now he's also a writer okay he's a blogger a journalist and all that so this is this is uh content for him you know this is like uh this is work in a way for him so it's it's a good thing too but you can grow from this i'm sure Uh, during Lent. I would just like to learn more. Matter of fact, uh, when I was perusing his website, uh, he has another site, the the one that's like his main blog is called Bruvana, which (laughs) is kind of connected, I'm sure, somewhere with Nirvana. And I I was talking about Nirvana not that long ago with uh, my good friend Justin Combs. Um, uh, of the Jacob's Well experience, you know, Nirvana, is an old band. I uh, used to like their music way back when. Anyway, uh, he's got uh, Bruvana is Jay Wilson's uh, real, like permanent uh, blog over at bruvana.wordpress.com. And uh, I was checking that out, and he's got a tab in the upper, like in the navigation bar, upper right-hand side, and it says, The Gospel According to St. Arnold. Now, I just saw this today. I haven't had a chance to explore it, but it looks absolutely fascinating. And I do plan on checking this out. So if you're curious about this, if you're curious about this beer drinking and Lent as fasting, this whole monastic tradition from way back when, and, and, and this whole project that, uh, that Jay Wilson has going on, I would love to hear from you. I'm going to read through this. I'm going to read through the gospel according to St. Aurel, and I want to know what you think. So if you're going to go check that out, please let me know. I will put a link in the show notes, but call me, 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974, or email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com, and let me know what you think. I am so completely intrigued by this. I can't believe it. It makes me want to go open a beer. Goodness. This is Danielle Bean, Editorial Director of Faith and Family, with some great news for Catholic Moms. We're planning a special day just for you, the moms who do everything for everybody. This time, we want to do something special for you. All you need to do is show up at our first ever Faith and Family Moms Day Away, featuring talks by Rachel Balducci, Jennifer Fulweiler, and me. But more than that, you'll enjoy spiritual refreshment with other moms just like you. I can't wait to see you there. Come be spiritually pampered at Faith and Family's Mom's Day Away on Saturday, April 2nd at St. Patrick's Parish in Stoneham, Massachusetts. This Mom's Only Day Away is designed for Catholic mothers to experience prayer, wisdom, and the joy of community. Not to mention, someone else is cooking for you that day. Tickets are forty dollars. Get yours online at faithandfamily.eventbrite.com, or get the link from Faith and Family's page on Facebook or faithandfamilylive.com. Well, we're coming up to the end of the show, folks. Already, already into the show, and uh, I want to. This is the time when I say, hey, you know, I need to ask for feedback. I need to let everybody know that I love to hear from you. So uh, please do uh, send me some feedback. Uh, matter of fact, the question I have for you today is how is Lent going for you? Are you growing in your relationship with God? I would love to know about that. And if so, tell me how. Uh, Give me a call, 985-635-4974, or uh, send me an email, jeff at catholicfoodie.com. I also need to announce that there is no Mary in the kitchen this week, but there's a good reason for that. Sarah is Busy at work, she's doing some great stuff. And matter of fact, I want to give her her a big congratulations and a thank you, and also just a big shout out because guess what? Her book is out. Well, it's not really out, out. You can pre-order it though. Her book is coming out. She's got a book coming out. Uh, Let me see the. It's available on Amazon, and you can pre-order it right now. But it will come out. It'll be available in September of 2011 i know we're in lent i understand that i know we're in lent but it's not too early to start thinking about advent (laughs) lent and advent right two great seasons so start thinking about advent because sarah's book is entitled welcome baby jesus and we're talking advent and christmas reflections for families by sarah our very own sarah reinhardt i'm so excited about this i have pre-ordered my copy i certainly hope that you uh Go ahead and pre-order yours, and they'll ship that out to you whenever it's uh, whenever it's actually here in September. So, great stuff. So, congratulations to Sarah. Very, very exciting. And uh, we'll, we're, we can't wait to welcome her back next episode with her Mary in the Kitchen. Now, uh, I do want to ask your prayers, please, also, because... Uh, This weekend, this weekend coming up at the Franciscan University of Steubenville. I went to school there for a couple of years back when I was young and had at least a little more hair. Um, (laughs) The Franciscan University of Steubenville, this weekend, they have their Media and Faith Conference. Media and Faith Conference. And uh, I am privileged, I'm honored to be speaking alongside with my good friend Lisa Hendy up there in Ohio. So I'm flying out tomorrow. In the morning, flying up to Steubenville, I'm going to uh, get to to see my good friend, Father Seraphim Bashoner, and uh, hang out with him, you know, Father Seraphim of Catholic Under the Hood. Uh, we get to hang out a little bit over the weekend, and I'm very excited about that. The conference is actually on Friday, Saturday, so that's April 1st and 2nd. Uh, I leave tomorrow morning, and uh, I'll be back at the end of the weekend, but... You know, I don't know if you're up there in the Steubenville, Ohio or General Ohio area, but if you are up there, I'll be around. You can always uh email me at uh Jeff and or if you're on Twitter, I'm on Twitter too, you know, and username is uh Catholic Foodie. So twitter.com slash Catholic Foodie, you can reach me that way, send me a direct message or, or or an at reply or something like that, and uh and we can maybe connect at some point. That would be really a lot of fun. So Anyway, uh, Steubenville, please do pray for the conference. You know, I'm a firm believer in this new uh, media stuff that we have going on. That's that's, uh, all the technology, all the stuff that's happening in the world today. Phenomenal, and it is incredible the way that this could be used to foster our faith, the way it could be used to evangelize. I'm a firm believer in this, so I'm very honored to, to be able to go up to Steubenville and to speak on this topic and also... Uh to, to to just to know I'm just so excited knowing that the Franciscan University and and lots of other Catholic organizations around the world is uh trying to take advantage of this wonderful opportunity that the technology is providing for us. So please do keep us in prayer. Pray for those who will be in attendance. I, I very much appreciate that. And um well, I guess this is it. So until next time, bon appetit.